Hi, my name is Dr. Mark Gowndary, and I'm an infectious diseases specialist in New Orleans. Hi, my name is Hope Pickerson, and I'm a health education specialist and reporter. This is the Noise Filter Podcast, where an infectious diseases physician, that's me, and a health education expert, that's me, talk about what you need to know about COVID-19, as well as community and public health. For more information about Noise Filter, your public health podcast, to watch and share our incredible informative animations, visit us at noisefiltershow.com. So let's get started. Breakthrough COVID infections. Now, while COVID-19 vaccinations are by far the best way to protect yourself from the virus, breakthrough infections and sickness can still occur. Now, a breakthrough infection is when someone who's been fully vaccinated for at least 14 days tests positive for COVID-19 despite the protective effects of the vaccination being at their highest. Now, people with breakthrough COVID infections tend to have slightly different symptoms than those who are unvaccinated, as the typical symptoms you may associate with COVID-19, a fever and persistent cough, become less common after vaccination. Now, the five most common symptoms of breakthrough infection are a headache, a runny nose, sneezing, sore throat, and the loss of smell. Now, as the coughing and fever symptoms are less common, it is very important for vaccinated people to get tested if they have any of those other symptoms. Now, vaccinated people are much less likely than unvaccinated people to be seriously ill or face hospitalizations, but this can still occur. The CDC reported that as of August 30th, just under 13,000 vaccinated Americans have experienced some breakthrough COVID cases that resulted in hospitalization or death. However, by that date, well over 170 million Americans have been vaccinated, suggesting that there's a low chance of those severe breakthrough cases occurring. There are several factors that affect how well you are protected by the vaccination. The first is the type of vaccine a person receives, as vaccine types differ in how much they reduce the risk of somebody developing COVID-19 compared to somebody who's unvaccinated. Pfizer and Moderna reduce this risk the most, topping the list, followed by AstraZeneca and then Johnson & Johnson. Now, the next factor is time since vaccination. Early research, which has not yet been peer-reviewed, suggests that the Pfizer vaccine wanes in protection over six months, and others could too, which is part of the reason the debate over vaccine boosters have begun. This is why some scientists are pushing for booster vaccine programs, but it is still very early to tell if vaccine efficacy continues to decrease after six months. And then finally, there's the variant of COVID someone is exposed to, which can also impact breakthrough infections. As early studies on vaccine protection suggest that vaccines become slightly less effective when faced with the Delta variant. However, a person's immune system and risk factors such as long-term medical conditions or age are the most important factors in a breakthrough COVID infection, as immunocompromised people may not boost an adequate immune response with the regular vaccine doses, while the immune system's ability to fight off disease tends to decrease with age. Data from the CDC suggests that almost all breakthrough cases that resulted in hospitalizations or death were those aged over 65, which have many underlying health conditions. Dr. Chun, Associate Professor of Cardiology at the Yale School of Medicine, states that identifying who is most likely to develop severe COVID-19 illness after vaccination will be critical to ongoing efforts to mitigate the impact of those breakthrough infections, and that while they are extremely rare, they are becoming more frequent with emerging variants and time since vaccination. 
Regardless, vaccines remain the best way to protect yourself from COVID-19 and the risk of severe complications, hospitalizations, or death, even after a COVID infection. These studies are useful in telling us who might be most at risk for severe breakthrough infection and to provide us with the information on how to best protect these people. Vaccines and allergies. After the approval of the Pfizer COVID vaccine in December 2020, some individuals with a history of allergies had an allergic reaction after receiving the vaccine. This discouraged many people with allergies from receiving the vaccine and deterred some physicians from recommending this vaccine, while some uncertainty seems to remain. Now, a new study published by the JAMA Network has investigated allergic reactions among over 8,000 individuals with allergies who received the first and second doses of the Pfizer vaccines between December 2020 and February of 2021. The researchers used questionnaires and patient medical histories to create an algorithm to determine whether patients would be either low or high risk of allergic reaction upon receiving the vaccine. Those who were considered low risk, such as those with a sensitivity to allergens or insect bites or food and latex allergies, were advised to receive the vaccine in regular settings with a 30-minute observation period afterwards. So this is interesting, Doc. So a person with a regular allergy, or they're not sure about an allergy, are they should they talk to the doctor first and get tested for allergies first just to make sure? Like, how should they handle No, 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 no. For the mRNA vaccines, if you have a history of anaphylaxis, you should at this time refrain from getting the mRNA vaccines mm. uh, or certainly talk with your physician about it. But that's a minority of the population that has anaphylactic reactions. That's a significant minority of the population. So for example, I have allergies and I had no compulsion whatsoever to get vaccinated. Mm, okay. Okay. Makes so, sense. And I, and I did so live on TV twice. <laughs> so, oh, so cool. yeah. So it'll be interesting to see what the results of this study are. Right. Right. Okay. So patients were considered high risk if they had had prior anaphylactic shock or allergic reactions to any drug or vaccine, multiple allergies or mast cell disorders. People in this category were referred to receive the vaccine with two hours of subsequent observation by a dedicated allergy team. For both sets, these settings and conditions were repeated upon receiving the second dose. So of the 429 people defined as highly allergic, so remember there was 8,000 people in the study. So right. 429 people were defined as highly allergic. Only nine had any kind of allergic response with three having an anaphylactic reaction. They were treated with adrenaline, antihistamines, and an inhaled bronchodilator, which makes breathing easier. And all symptoms resolved within two to six hours with no patients requiring hospitalizations. The three individuals did not receive a second dose. So you were right. That is very much so a minority of the yeah, population. It's a huge minority. <laughs> yeah. The researchers suggest that using their algorithm to identify high-risk patients and administer the vaccine with allergy teams supervising would assist in highly allergic patients to be safely immunized and thus become better protected against COVID-19. In the U.S., few medical exemptions exist for the Pfizer vaccine. The only contraindication listed by the FDA is a known history of a severe allergic reaction, like anaphylaxis, to any ingredient in the vaccine. Dr. Niraj Patel. 
the chair of the American College of Allergy, Asthma, and Immunology's COVID-19 Vaccine Task Force, has stated that the risk of anaphylactic reaction to the vaccine is low and that potentially due to the different ingredients, the Johnson & Johnson vaccine could be safe alternative for people with an allergy to mRNA vaccines like the Pfizer or Moderna vaccine. So further studies are required to define more specific risk factors for allergic reactions to the Pfizer vaccine, but this research is very encouraging for those who are unsure about getting a vaccine due to a history of allergies. See, more people need to know that because I think this is a worry for some. And if they knew this, it would take a lot of that worry away. Absolutely. And that's the whole purpose of this podcast. Yep, exactly. (laughs) And we're so happy to have you as our new (laughs) (laughs) co-host. Thank you. Thanks for listening to Noise Filter, your public health podcast. Be sure to subscribe to the Noise Filter podcast and to follow us on social media. And you can find me at the Dr. Derry. That's D-R-D-E-R-Y. You can follow us at Noise Filter on Instagram, Noise Filter NOLA on Twitter. And to see and share our amazing animations and find out more information about us and the show, go to noisefiltershow.com. Just as a reminder, COVID-19 and the human immunodeficiency virus do share the same risk factors, and you can learn more at www.scaetc.org. Hope, any last words? Stay well out there, folks, and continue taking the steps to keep yourself and loved ones healthy. That includes exercise, a good diet, and seeing your healthcare provider regularly. And protect yourselves and others by getting the COVID-19 vaccine, wearing a mask, and social distancing wherever possible. As an infectious diseases doctor, I also want to share with healthcare providers in our audience that the HIV Care Tools app was recently launched by the AETC and is a fantastic tool for ensuring your patients have the best standard of care. I encourage you to check it out. And remember, health is a human right. Right.